Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wondery Way to Brilliant, podcast show of courage to be curious. And if you are new to our show, then you might want to know that this year we have been tracing the 10 jewels of yoga philosophy called the Yamas and the Niyamas. And if you're just starting out, you might want to rewind back to January and, and track the whole year again. But essentially, these are jewels of wisdom for life and jewels and wisdom for understanding and knowing oneself. And we are in the last of these jewels, the last of the Niyama that we are looking at in the month of November here called Ishwara Pranidhana. And it is the jewel of surrender. If you caught the newsletter at the top of this month, you journeyed with me through my walk in the woods and the lessons that I really took from the trees in the woods around surrender, the trees and the water around what does this jewel of surrender really mean to me. Of course, it can mean lots of things and we're going to spend the month exploring it here. We have been tracking the book by Deborah Adele called The Yamas and the Yamas. And I want to start off, as I sometimes do, with sharing a piece that she shares in the beginning of this chapter. She is clearly a movie buff, and she's often referencing movies. And so she talks about this movie, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Many of you might be familiar with it. And it starts off with her conversation about two con men who were kind of lurking in the same neighborhood, same, you know, lucrative neighborhood, and they're vying for the territory. Who's going to get to be the, uh, basically the, the con man who gets to have this territory. And so they set a wager with each other and they say, well, whoever, they pick this innocent woman and they say, whoever can con her out of $50,000 successfully, then they're the one who gets to win this territory. And so they go off and they, you know, on their quest here to try to con this woman out of $50,000. And what happens is to their surprise is that the woman ends up actually conning each of them out of $50,000 each. So she walks away with $100,000. And then when they realize and they show in the film at the end where they thought they'd each been conning her and then realize that they had just been conned is the reaction of the two men. So one of them gets really angry and he starts throwing like a tantrum, almost like a two-year-old tantrum and how dare this happen? And he gets furious at the circumstance and furious at the woman. And the other one responds really differently. The other man kind of is very quiet and almost like contemplative. And then a few moments later begins to get a broad smile and then begins to laugh in delight at the mastery of this woman who outsmarted him and walked off with his $50,000. And what's so beautiful about this story is it really kind of gives us like a snapshot look at like what are the possibilities when life doesn't go according to our plan. You know, each of the con men had a plan. They were going to be the ones who were going to con her. And then each one likely figured that they were going to win. And then when the tables turned, you know, worse than losing the $50,000, because clearly if you're a con man, you can make that back up and they're not overly concerned about the money. But it was being conned at your own game, having things go differently than you thought they were going to go. And instead of turning out victorious and in control, turning out like at the victim and, you know, as at the effect of circumstances that turned out differently than we expected. 
And it really, you know, Deborah Dell goes on to talk about, and I think this is the essence of surrender, is that we can't help but to make plans. We can't help but to try to anticipate or even desire that things turn out a certain way for us. We plan our day to go a certain way. We set goals for ourselves. You know, vision boards are all the craze. Here's what I want to have happen, or here's what I'm looking toward. Here's what I want to bring into my life. And, you know, there's some sense of that that we do because, I don't know, we live complicated lives. Being human is complicated. So we try to create order. And in that attempt to create order, we set expectations and we make plans. And then there's this lovely little idiom that I like that says, you know, we make plans and God laughs, right? Because, (laughs) you know, we do all of these things in a sense to bring order in a space where, in fact, we have no control and it's really not ours to dictate. But it is, you know, some force that's greater than us to dictate what actually happens. And so in our lives, when are we like the man who throws the tantrum because things turned on their head, things didn't go according to the plan, life threw at us something that we weren't expecting or that we didn't desire or that we somehow started to label as unfair or as bad? And when can we respond like the second man who makes an adjustment from this expectation that he had and turns to recognize the delight, the mastery of this woman, like, wow, just met the con woman who could con the con men. And that there's something glorious in that, that there is something, you know, worthy of noting. And then just being able to experience a sense of delight in the unexpected, in the unanticipated. And we can take this example from the movie and we can overlay it on top of virtually every single aspect of our life, right? We plan trip, we put it into Waze or Google Maps, and then there was construction that somehow they weren't aware of or there becomes an accident along the way and suddenly things shift. We set out our whole workday to work perfectly and then we get an unexpected meeting. We think we're going to bed, this happens to me a lot lately, which is where this example comes from, is, you know, I'm gonna get all ready, I'm gonna go to bed at a certain time, get up early and do all of this, and then, you know, my daughter who lives overseas calls because of the time difference and suddenly I'm up an hour later than I thought I would, and can't get up quite as early as I thought I would and all the plans are shifted and moved. And, you know, things come up, big things and little things that interrupt, that throw our plans awry, that intrude upon our perceived ability to control the world. And this last niyama of surrender, of Ishwara Pranidhana, asks us to say, how will we respond to that? Will we respond from a place of strain and struggle and stress and anger and frustration? Or will we be able to adapt and find and delight, accept, surrender to whatever arises? And I realize, you know, this is not an easy thing. And you know, one of the things I talk about in my newsletter and the Deborah Dell talks about too, is that in yoga, virtually every single yoga session concludes with Shavasana, 
the rest pose, but it's actually called corpse pose. And when we think about the posture of Shavasana, which is laying on your back with your arms and your legs out kind of at 45 degree angles and just totally open, right? It's the most surrendering of poses um, because you're not protected in any kind of way. Something I've thought about was the fact that we do Shavasana at the end of a practice. And often by that time, we're tired, we've worked hard, we've put forth great effort. And we have almost like a, a greater willingness to surrender at that point. And last June, I went to an ashram where they have many Shavasana practices throughout the yoga sequence. And actually, after sun salutations, there's a Shavasana right before you go into some of the more challenging poses. That you're asked to surrender before you exhaust yourself, so to speak, or tire yourself out. And it's a totally different experience to just surrender on the front end than it is to surrender on the back end. Because surrendering becomes the intention for the practice rather than the release at the end of the practice. It becomes the intention that no matter you know, how this practice goes, no matter you know, what might arise, that I surrender to it. It's surrendering and releasing, you know, any energy that has sort of built up from, in this case, the warm up or the sun salutation, and just releasing all that and starting afresh again before moving into the next posture. And in this particular sequence of Hatha Yoga, there is about, you know, four or five different pauses where you can, you know, intersperse Shavasana, surrender, corpse pose. And it really struck me how it demands something different of us. Not only to, okay, well, you know, on the back end of something that we've suddenly been forced into submission that we can no longer control to surrender and accept that we couldn't control it. And that's if we can even get there. But could we do it on the front end? Could we head into something that we may have expectation or intention about and surrender to whatever may happen even before we've gone in? So this is the thought I want to leave you with this week. This is the thought I want you to consider playing with is what are the opportunities to surrender? What does it really mean to surrender? And I think a really important idea, and you know, Deborah Dell mentions it, and I think it's critical if we're going to explore the practice of surrender on any level, is that surrendering presupposes is that there are some forces or order to the universe that are greater than what we have the capacity to perceive. Because if not, what are we actually surrendering to? Just like, you know, whatever, some randomness. Nobody wants to surrender to complete randomness. But it presupposes this idea that there is a uni an order to the universe, but that that order is complex and further reaching than what we have the to perceive. So sometimes we perceive that all these bad things are happening or things and they're bad only because they're not working out according to our expectation. And in hindsight, a few years out, we might say, oh my gosh, those things all had to happen in order for this thing to happen or in order for me to arrive here. So surrender invites us to be willing to trust even at the front end, even without the benefit of 2020 vision on the hindsight that there is an order to the universe and that we are a part of that order and that our willingness to surrender is really an act of trust 
and, you know, trusting that the unfolding is designed for, you know, for good, whether it feels good in the moment or not, whether it is designed according to some sort of, you know, divine or master order. And that may or may not be a concept you're comfortable with. I just throw it out there for you to be able to consider because surrender sort of demands it. Otherwise, what are we surrendering to? As I said, nobody's going to surrender to chaos. So this week, as you're exploring, explore this notion of surrender, what it raises in you, what you feel like it means, and these different practices of what would it be like to be like the second scoundrel who laughs in the face of the plan not turning out and seeing the beauty in what did happen versus what was expected to happen to being willing to surrender to an unfolding of something before that unfolding has even happened and being willing to wonder what it is we might be surrendering to. So big questions for this week as we begin our exploration of this last of the Niyamas. I invite you to play with it. As always, if you think this is interesting, if it resonates and you want to pass it on to a friend, we love to have new listeners to wonder your way to brilliant. And um, send me an email at any time at adina at couragetobecurious.com. Love to hear what your experience is. Thanks, and we'll be back again next week with another episode.